Well, I'm thankful to everyone out there that's uh, come and joined us this weekend, President's Weekend, all the festivities going on in Laredo. Uh, I was on a plane this week and a bunch of people were flying into town because nobody does President's Weekend like Laredo does. Amen? <laughs> we're patriotic here, right on the border. But it is, it is good to be together with you this morning, church. Uh, this morning, we're continuing our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, this weekend, uh, as we study this book, specifically Solomon is going to tune to the topic of death. And the book of Ecclesiastes was written that we would understand how to have satisfaction in life, uh, what is, understand what the meaning and the purpose of life are. And uh, he beats us down in the beginning of this book so that he can build us up in what is true. And so he's pointing out where life is not found in so many ways. And uh, this morning we're going to be studying the topic of death. And death is a very relevant thing for us to understand uh, because either we've had close people to us that we've seen that have faced death or uh, you may find yourself or someone that you love in your life right now in a situation where they are facing death or you are facing death. Or one day we are all going to face death. And so the question this morning as we turn to Solomon's word for us to give us wisdom the question is, how should we live considering we are all facing certain death? And we tend to respond consciously or unconsciously to this question in a number of ways. We tend to respond with pride, thinking that uh, our day is never going to come and everything that we're doing is successful. And we tend to sometimes just ignore this question or whether it be personality or circumstances we've been through or we're going through, sometimes we, we respond with the opposite tone of despair. Uh, we can also respond to death by trying to take control of everything and to manage as many things in our life or with disillusionment, thinking it's all meaningless, there's no purpose to even trying uh, because, you know, we're all going to die eventually. And Solomon's going to help us to see that, you know, obviously... Neither one of these extremes is where God wants us to live, but there is a hope and there is a guidance for how we can live facing death. And so I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to read the first 12 verses of Ecclesiastes. And as you're turning there, I want to encourage you, uh, you know, each week this spring, we're just reading a little section of Ecclesiastes, uh, but as a church that heavily emphasizes reading the Bible verse by verse and teaching it verse by verse, I want to say that it, it would be to your benefit at some point this month, next month, to sit down and read Ecclesiastes as a whole, uh, because we're taking little snapshots and parts, but we'll have a greater understanding if you're able to just kind of sit down and read it uh, as a whole book as we cover it. Uh, and so I'd encourage you to do that at some point as we go through the series. But we, we start in chapter 9 today, and I want to pause and just pray again briefly uh, before we open God's word. Uh, so would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. And again, I thank you that we can turn to it, that, that you are our guide, that no human uh, or motivational uh, speaking is our guide in this church. But as a group of people wanting to know life, wanting to know truth, uh, wanting to experience 
all that you have for us, Lord, that, that we can come this morning and open the words of life. Uh, and I pray, God, that you would breathe new life into us through your words. We pray all these things together in your name. Amen. All right, so uh, let's jump in here. Uh, I'm just kind of going to read the verses and teach a little bit along the way, and, uh, and we will worship God in response at the end. So verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, uh, Solomon says this. He says, but all this I lay to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know both are before him. Now, when Solomon says, uh, whether it is love or hate, man does not know. He's saying that we do not know whether we're going to have good things happen in life or whether they're going to be bad or hard things happen in life. And he says there that whether someone is righteous and wise, the things that as Christians we should esteem to be, to walk in the holiness of God and to make wise choices, obeying Christ, or whether one is not, our fate is ultimately in the hands of God. And then he's going to give six contrasts here in the next verse. Uh, you can read along with me in verse 2. It is the same for us all since the same event happens to, and here's where he begins some contrasts, to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and to the unclean, which is referring uh, to their Old Testament purity laws and how they were to worship God. There was a lot of writing in Leviticus and other ways of how the people could be clean or unclean. Um, and then he says, to him who sacrifices, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And the last one here, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. So whether you're faithful or faithless, whether you do what's right or you do not do what's right, whether you're wise in this life or a fool, no matter what, the same miserable fate reaches us all. And at some point, Solomon is saying, under this sun, we will all taste death. It's the same for all. And he continues on in verse 3. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun that the same event happens to all. And so how do some respond? Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. We'll look at that last part a little bit here in a second, but he's saying madness. Uh, he's, he's not saying that we're all crazy, although that's true of all you guys. But he's saying that because our fate is death and many of us do foolish things in response to death, and that's one of the tragedies as well. And so uh, these first couple of verses, these first three verses, Solomon points out that, hey, no matter what, death is certain. And so we tend to respond to that truth, church, in, in one of two ways. Either we take a lot of control in our life or we feel very uh, disillusioned and we feel out of control. And... You know, it's interesting that as I was studying and reading this passage, it was written thousands of years ago. It's so relevant to us today as it was in his time. Because do we not try to take control of our life in so many different ways? Uh, we try to have beautified bodies. And we try to eat whole and organic. Uh, and we try to eat all these healthy foods and, and, and go to doctors. And, and if we do all these things, then, then we should live a long, healthy life, right? 
But as we're going to see as we keep reading this passage, and you know from your own experience that you could have the best daily routine. You could eat uh, fresh, squeezed juice, organically grown every single day, and work out perfectly, and live the right balanced life, and you could still get hit by a bus and die tomorrow. And and, and, and I could say it, we can almost laugh because our death is so uncertain when it would happen. And yet it's also heartbreaking because someone that we love could be ripped from us in an instant. And, and yet we try to have so much control over our lives and we're trying to build the perfect routine and the perfect body and all of these things. But none of these things are, 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 will ever give us perfect fulfillment. Even in church... We offer the world, oftentimes, rather than Christ, religion. And we think that if we have the correct beliefs and the correct techniques and the correct behaviors, then, then, then we as Christians will have an edge over those that are far from God. And those that are far from God certainly will not experience blessings. But the truth is that a perfect life, as displayed to us anywhere we see it, is not God's end or purpose for us. What does the New Testament tell us? What does Jesus tell us? God's desire for us is that we would love God and love people. And we don't know what is coming tomorrow, good or bad. But no matter our circumstances, in all things, we can always seek to love. And that's the control side. But what about the disillusion side? He also says the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. Maybe some of us this morning were on that control side and, and, uh, and hopefully doing some good things. I'm not trying to say you should stop working out and st stop eating healthy and just eat Twinkies from here on out, right? But that's never going to save us if that's where we're putting all of our emphasis. But we can't put all of our emphasis on the other side where many of us at other seasons find ourselves not full of control but full of despair or disillusionment and discouragement. And, and that's not the answer either to stay in that space. And so he's going to continue on, verse 4. And he says, But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. They didn't like dogs back in the day. I don't know why. I love dogs. Uh, I'm not sure about all you cat lovers out there, but dogs are great. But in the time of this writing, the dog was the most despised animal. And he's saying, hey, better to be the most despised animal alive than to be dead. Why, verse 5? For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward for the memory of them is gone. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Solomon was emphasizing the importance that we seize the opportunity to love while we have it because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And so rather than blindly hoping for something better in the future, we should seize the opportunities that God puts before us. Now, I want to briefly move away from the text before we continue on to the, to the verses coming. And I very briefly want to give us an understanding of God's will because I think it's relevant to understanding death in this passage. And so uh, we struggle as humans to understand God's will, his sovereignty versus our free will, versus our choices. And this is the best way I could explain it, studying the scriptures. God is sovereign and nothing will change God's plans. 
while at the same time, somehow, this is in his understanding, but beyond ours, he's given us the ability to make choices. And those choices do have consequences and they do impact things. And somehow, God works all of this together for his good is what Romans 8.28 tells us. And so one thing I want to make very clear as we talk about death is that while God knows the time and the date and the hour that we will die, and he promises us according to his word in Romans 8.28 and other places that he uses all things for good, I want to make something very, very clear. Death is not good. And God does not strike us with death. Death is a result of sin. Death is a result of the rebellion in the garden. And it's, it's a curse that we endure because of sin. And it's why the Bible tells us that one day Jesus is coming back. And what do we know from Revelation? There will be no more what? Death. So one thing I want to understand very clearly is that death in and of itself is not good nor is it God-ordained in the sense that it's God's will, what he wants for us. And yet, God can use it so that we can uh, turn to him. Because death is our destiny apart from him, but we don't want to stay there forever. We don't want to stay in these broken bodies forever, in this broken world forever. God has something more for us. And so Nothing changes his plan and his will, and he's not ordaining death or, or responsible for death up here. We are in our sin. And, and yet, in the death and all the things that we experience, God still works it together for our good. So then, in light of death, this is what Solomon says uh, we should do with our lives. Uh, let's read uh, verse, verse 7. He's going to give us two recommendations. Uh, and the first one is three sets of things that we should enjoy in life in light the fact that our days are numbered. He says, verse seven, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let oil not be lacking on your heads. I wanna pause there. Uh, Two things that Solomon says we should do in light of death is first of all, that we should enjoy life. The simple things, God's provision of of food and wine. Uh, While we should be stewards and humble in this life and not gluttonous or greedy, there is nothing wrong with a good carne asada. There is nothing wrong with some popcorn and a movie. And, and, and it's important we know that as Christians because we can almost look at the despair in this world and become to an extreme of judgment that we should never have any fun in life. And God says, no, I have made you. My intention is that you will delight in me forever and eternity and find delight in this life. And so this is a very, wow, <laughs> got a little dark. That's all right. Uh, hopefully we make it, all, make it out of service alive. Um, Got a little nervous. I'm going to keep going. But uh, God has found, we're at the movies, right? Just talking about popcorn movies and there we go. God's will is that we would find some joy, some delight in this life because we are going to delight perfectly in him in eternity. And so he says, enjoy the food that I have given you. Be merry in life. And, And then he says, this second verse here that we paused on, uh, 
he, he says, let your garments be always white, let oil not be lacking on your head. Now this is referring to uh, ancient uh, Judaic culture where at a wedding they would wear white and they wouldn't just wear regular olive oil to anoint themselves, but they would wear perfume. And he's, he's facetiously saying, let every day be a day of celebration. Now not every day is a wedding day. Not every day do you go all out. But he's trying to say, like, live, li in a sense, live in the moment. You don't know what the future brings. Uh, don't, don't be silly about it. Don't lack wisdom. Don't be thoughtful. But celebrate the small moments of life that you have. Uh, celebrate uh, just the fact that you have clothes and delight in life. He continues, verse 9. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in the toil at which you toil under the sun. Now, Solomon didn't pen this letter to us as God himself. He was a fallen man who God spoke his holy word through to us. And what's interesting through all the authors that live the Bible is they're not our example. God himself is. And Solomon, maybe more famously than any uh, man that ever lived, failed to do this. And, and maybe we believe he's writing this later on in his life through the insp inspiration of the Holy Spirit, giving us his word. And he's saying, you don't need to go chasing after multiple spouses. Uh, you should not live apart from God's will for you, which is the sanctity and the holiness of marriage. And delight in this partner that you have. And even in that, there is a striving. All of us that are married know, right? Uh, there's a striving in family. Sometimes parents, uh, parents of young children, you're like, Lord, if you want to take me today, that's fine. I know you'll provide for my children, but whew, I'm tired, right? And God's saying marriage may be a struggle. Life may be a struggle. Being a child may be a struggle. Being a parent. And he's saying Find delight in that gift. Don't despise it, but delight in it. And he concludes the matter by saying this in verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol, which is the, the place of the dead, to which you are going. So his first recommendation to us is to find joy in food. In, in clothing, in family, in relationship. And his second recommendation to us is to work hard. Why? Because one day we won't have the opportunity to work. But this side of eternity, we get to join God in his will of making all things new. As Christians, we should never give in to despair about what's happening politically in our country, uh, What's happening globally around the world, the tension right now between Ukraine and Russia, uh, we should never give in to despair in the world because God's intention one day is to make all things new. And so we ever work hard in our jobs, in our families to raise our children right, to follow God, to do the right thing, to be educated, to vote, to do our part in the world, to pray for peace as we, I prayed with some friends this week, for what's happening across over in the east right now between Ukraine and Russia. We never give up hope and despair, though things are evil, though things are dark, because while we are living, we have the opportunity to join God in his ultimate will of making all things new. Will we see all the fruit of it this side of eternity? No, because we promise that there is sin in this world and that Jesus will return and one day it will be made new. But have you not ever tasted, church, a prayer request before God and seeing him at work. And that's, that's, what, that's what Solomon is saying. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your country. Don't give up on your city. Don't give up on your, your job. 
humble yourself and accept that this is a very, very broken place. But God wants to do something good in you and he wants to do something good and just submit to him. Even when things are dark, we don't control all of those things, but we can seek to do what's right. And I think something that's also really interesting to take away from all of this is you notice Solomon's recommendations in light of the fact that we're going to tire. You know, enjoy your life, enjoy your family, be diligent, work hard. But what's the message of the world? The message of the world is always get ahead, get there quick, get everything. Perfection, 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 which does not exist this side of heaven. And I think there's a, a warning and encouragement to us to be humble. Our bodies are never going to be perfect. So maybe, maybe some of us are just genetically blessed and you're never injured and you're always in shape and, and you never experience. But for the most part, we experience some sort of brokenness in our bodies. We experience challenges financially. We experience challenges relationally. And, and his encouragement to us is to be humble and sit and delight in these things because tomorrow they will be gone. Enjoy our families. Enjoy what we have knowing that, that one day we'll all be even better in heaven. In the last two verses is what he says. He says in verse 11, Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time like fish that are taken in an evil net, or like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when suddenly it falls upon them. Again, we do not know our time. We can do everything right, uh, but we don't know the time and the date in which our life will come to an end. And so what's the conclusion of it all? Wisdom doesn't promise a good job. Righteousness doesn't offer for sure, in this life, a prosperous future. And so if we begin to think or preach or believe that because I'm a Christian, everything will be easy, we will be so disillusioned and discouraged. But we do have hope that God loves us and he wants us to pour out love. And he wants us to long for the day that one day we will be with him. Because circumstances in this life truly are out of our control. So how can we live facing the uncertainty of this life, facing that I may do what's right and something bad happens to me? Or I may, I may die a, a young death or an unexpected death or a painful death or that I may have to lose the ones that I love? How can we live facing certain death? Solomon's words are so simple to us. We can humble ourselves and delight in today because this world is not all. We have something waiting for us in heaven and we can humble ourselves and accept our circumstances and do everything we can to delight and enjoy God and the things in our life and be a blessing to others. I was challenged as I read these words this week. I don't know if you're like me, church, but I, I want it all. I want it all. I, this whole left side of my body, for some reason, when now that I've hit my 40s, it's like not working. I got like a, a partially torn shoulder. It's only 30% torn. So the doctor said, you don't need an operation, which I'm not sure if that's good or not. I, I get 
problems on my foot right now from a water slide this summer and, and smashing into concrete too many times. And every time I take a step, there's a little pain. You guys that are young will get there, right? The aches and the pains. And I'd love it to just go back to where there was none of those, those things present in my life. I want it all. I want, I want to be wise with my finances. I want to have perfect delight in family. But there, there's brokenness and one day death coming. You know, the beauty is God doesn't call me to be perfect. God doesn't call me to try to fix everything. All that God's calling me to, all that God's calling you to is to sit and enjoy Him in this moment. Be faithful, be thankful, delight in Him. Darker days may be ahead for us, but if we as a people can come and be thankful for one another and thankful for God, don't we have it all? Don't we have it all if we can simply say, God, I will love. I'll love as you call me to love. And I will, I will be appreciative of all that you've given me every day that comes. I'll focus in the present. I won't live in the brokenness of the past. I'll try to heal from it so I can be as present as possible. And I won't worry about tomorrow. I'll be as present as possible. I love how David tells us in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Would you pray with me, church? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. I feel like the words of Solomon this morning are so, so simple. And yet, Lord, I know that, that I and we can be guilty of letting life pass us by. So it's our prayer this morning as your church, as your people, God, that we would just pause to not be in a rat race, but to be humble people and to be thankful for every day that you've given us with the ones that we love. And I pray that you help us to be humble this week and to, to be thankful and to delight in you and to be a blessing to those around us. We don't understand evil, God. We don't understand the depths of death, but we know we face it, but we can have hope because you offer us promises this side of heaven. And through Jesus Christ, you tell us that this is not the end of our story, that if we believe in you, that you are making all things new and that every day that we delight in you and we love others, we are expressing our belief in the eternal where we will forever worship you, where we will forever sing to you, where we will forever be satisfied in relationship with one another and in you. So give us those simple joys as your people this week. And everybody at Grace said, amen and amen. Thank you, church.